Welcome, everybody. Welcome to all of our locations. Welcome to Wilkett in New Milford that is here. Welcome to New York City, Cold Spring. Everybody watching in our online community and, of course, by television. We are so glad that you are here to hear a word from God. If you have your Bible, wherever you are, even if you're at home watching, go ahead and grab it. Hold it up high, and let's go ahead and make our Bible declaration. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. If you're standing, wherever you're standing from, please remain standing in honor of God's word. My text for my assignment this weekend comes from 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 3. A very, very familiar portion of scripture in our series called Mental Health Goals. Here's what the word of God has to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are are not carnal, but mighty in God. Remember, mighty weapons, weapons that have resurrection power in them, weapons that have demolition power in them. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of these things called strongholds. These are the mindsets that have lodged in our mind that are backed by the lies that we have believed is true, even when they are not true. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then over in Romans chapter number 12, verse number one, the scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So this verse is talking about the body, but watch verse two. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or rewiring of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, or so that you can experience the life that God has designed for you. Today, in our series, Mental Health Goals, I want to speak to you from the subject, Mighty Renewing Weapons. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that you would speak to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. You would cause your word to come alive to each and every one of us and that we would be transformed from the inside out. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, as indicated in Romans chapter number 12, there is a connection between our body and our mind or between the physical and the spiritual. Verse number one says, be not, verse number one, I'm sorry, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And it kind of seems weird that in one verse it's talking about the body, but in the next verse it's talking about the mind. Well, that's because there is a mind-body connection. There is a physical and mental connection. And we've talked about this a lot in this series. Simply put, our lives 
life follows our thoughts. There's that connection between the two. Truth be told, there is really a spiritual, mental, and physical connection. But we're talking about how the mind or what we believe in our mind, our mindsets, affect and dictate the course of our lives. And we talked about how our mindsets are the byproduct of all of the things that have been put in us that we accept as true throughout our lifetime, even if they really are not true. And these mindsets sets are accumulated and effectuated by all of these various life inputs that come into us. Things that we were told growing up, things that we were exposed to, the kind of education that we received and what that taught us, the environments that we grew up in, the things that happened to us, the things that didn't happen to us. All of that creates mindsets and these mindsets become what we believe and they are responsible for the life that we experience. Another way of defining these mindsets is to call them scientifically neural pathways in our brain. These are the pathways that are responsible for our behavior patterns or cycles that we experience in life and that's why we can say with absolute certainty that our life follows our mind or our thoughts. If we have healthy mindsets, then that's good. But if we have unhealthy mindsets, that's bad. If we have these bad mindsets, the lies that we believe as true, what can happen to our lives is we can literally get stuck in these things that we called mind ruts. So for example, maybe you've heard of Charles Dickens and his book, Great Expectations from back in the day when you were in school. Well, he writes about this wealthy spinster. Her name was Miss Havelsham. And she, on her wedding day, was jilted by her lover who left her standing at the altar. And so she forever wears her wedding dress. And she found out, to make matters worse, that he jilted her on purpose. He was feigning his love for her just so he can get her money. And this all happened at 8.40 a.m. in the morning. She set the clocks in her house at 8.40. She lived in the past hurts of her experience for the rest of her life. And this is what can happen to us. We can get stuck in these mental ruts, these past hurts that have built up, sometimes even subconsciously, we don't even know why we're repeating cycles over and over and over again, but something has been etched in our brain. Speaking of brain etchings, there was a guy by the name of Wilder Penfeld who studied neuropathology at Oxford before he set up the Montreal Neurological Institute Hospital. And during his illustrious career, he examined the brains of 1,132 patients who were suffering from epileptic seizures. And he used this instrument called the Penfield Dissector to meticulously map out the human brain. And he stimulated different parts of the brain with these mild electrical currents. And he found that his his patients experienced vivid flashbacks of their past in great detail every time he stimulated certain parts of the brain. Here was his conclusion. He said that every sight, 
every sound, every smell, every experience that has one ca- once captured a person's attention is somehow recorded on that person's internal hard drive known as the cerebral cortex. Let me explain basically what that means. So when we hear a song or we see a picture that grabs our attention, a line called an engram is traced on the surface of our cerebral cortex. And then when we get exposed to the same picture or the same song and it grabs our attention again, that line is traced. And with each repetition, the memory is more deeply ingrained until it literally is grooved into the surface of our brains. Now here's the problem with that. Once something is grooved in our brain, our brain has been created by God to work with the groove, to support the groove. So in fact, what actually happens is the brain has different parts that make sure that whatever that thought that has been captured now gets supported over and over again. And there's this bundle of nerves called the reticular activating system or the RAS, the RAS. And and this is at the bottom of your brain stem. And it is where your brain sorts through sensory data that is being sent to your brain to determine whether it's relevant or whether it's similar to what is in those grooves. Now, by the way, just to think that all of this complicated, sophisticated complexity happened without a creator is the epitome of ignorance. Because This couldn't just evolve. There had to be a sophisticated designer behind it. Of course, that's God. Anyway, the RAS, the reticular activating system, is your brain's way of filtering through the data and allowing you to focus on what is pertinent and what is not pertinent, what to focus on, what to ignore. And here's how it determines what's most pertinent and what to ignore. It uses our established belief system to screen the information. In other words, it looks for the stuff that supports the grooves. And this is why we get what we expect in life, which is one of the foundational teachings of faith in the Bible. Perhaps more, most straightforwardly, where Jesus touched two blind people's eyes in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. He said this, become what you believe. And it happened, they saw. That's exactly what we have been talking about. We become what we believe, and that belief starts in our mind most of the time, eventually enters into our heart. And so if you'll allow me to just geek out for just a minute more, the brain also functions to support these grooves in ways that we may not even know. There is something called dopamine, and dopamine is basically a a chemical that stimulates the brain anytime we do something that feels good. And so oftentimes in life, when we do behaviors that we know are wrong, but they give the instantaneous feedback of gratification or feel good, what happens is our brain releases this chemical called dopamine, and the dopamine records it, and the dopamine basically says, I like that, get more of it. And so what happens to a lot of people when it comes to certain types of behaviors that we can categorize as 
not good or unholy in some way. They don't necessarily want to do them, but there's been so much dopamine released over time into their brain that they find themselves falling back into those same patterns over and over again. And so we want to eat healthy, but we remember the dopamine that the ice cream released in our brain. And so our brain says, go get some more ice cream, even though we're saying to ourselves, start eating healthy. And it takes a lot to undo the way the brain has been conditioned and created by God in order to work in our lives. But the point of it is that we are not helpless. We have the ability to undo all of the bad patterns and all of the ruts in our life through the mighty weapons that God has given us. But because we don't know that, what happens is we try to change our life by changing our behavior. We go to the fruit of the problem instead of the root of the problem. We think that the way you change according to cybernetic theory, is through first-level change, which is behavioral, willpower change. But cybernetic theory tells us that that never really works. We've got to get to second-level change, which is cognitive change, in order to really change. And so that's why we've been talking about if you change your mind, you will change your life. Now, with all that said, listen to the genius of God. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, a lot of us are saying, yeah, I try to present my body holy and acceptable to God. But no matter how hard I try, my body still wants to do its own thing. Well, here's why. Because there is a mind-body connection. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may experience what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. In other words, to get your body or what you're experiencing in the physical realm to change, first you've got to renew or rewire your brain. And unless you do that, as the Bible says in Proverbs 26, verse 11, a dog returns to its own vomit. And a lot of times people want to know, Pastor, why do I keep doing What I've always done. Why do I keep repeating this bad behavior? Why do I keep returning to the vomit places of my life? I feel helpless. But the good news is, you're not helpless. The good news is, we're not helpless. Why? Because God has given us mighty weapons. Remember, Hulk-like weapons. Remember, resurrection power-like weapons. Power that has the ability to, weapons that have the power to demolish strongholds. So we aren't helpless. We can choose victory over vomit if we will use the mighty renewing weapons that God has given us. And so last week, remember, we talked about the mighty, the mighty replacing weapons, where we talked about how do we uproot? How do we pull out? How do we begin to get rid of the old thinking? But here's what we know from Scripture, that when you pull out old and you don't put anything in its place, the old comes back with a vengeance. And so it's not good enough to just pull out or uproot the ruts. Now what we have to do is we now have to establish new trenches of truth so we can have victory in our lives. These are the mighty renewing weapons that God talks about. And there are three of them, and you can remember it through this cute little saying. See it, say it, do it. See it, say it, do it. And every teacher knows that the best way for you to learn is see it, say it, do it. 
And so that's why a lot of people think, well, you know, the churches have become high tech. In actuality, when you're hearing something, when you're seeing and, and seeing it at the same time, and then eventually you begin to say that thing, it has a profound effect on the renewal of your mind. So see it, say it, do it. There are three of them. The first one is meditation. That's the see it mighty renewing weapon. Then there's confession, that's the say it mighty renewing weapon. Then there's action, that's the do it mighty renewing weapon. Meditation, confession, action. See it, say it, do it. For time's sake, I want to look at just one, meditation. Let's look at what God says in his word. Joshua chapter number one, verse number eight. This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, there's the weapon, in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Now a couple of quick observations from the text. First of all, all three mighty weapons are in the text. All at the same time. Joshua is getting ready to walk into the promised land. He's getting ready to experience the life that God has designed for him. And God tells him that in order to do that, he's got to employ all three mighty renewing weapons. See it, say it, do it. What are they? Well, the word shall not depart out of your mouth. That is the mighty renewing weapon that says it of confession. And how do you do that? By meditating on the word day and night. That's the see it or the mighty renewing weapon of meditation. And that you may observe to do all that is written in it. That's the mighty do it weapon of action. All three. This is the prescription that God gives us over and over again in the word. How do we experience the life that he wants us to have? Because this is the prescription for how to get your mind renewed. And so all three. The second observation is the mighty renewing weapons work no matter how strong the obstacles may be. Joshua is going into the promised land and in the promised land are all the giants. And the giants are going to be shouting all these lies to Joshua and to Israel. But yet God says the weapons that I'm giving you in the text... This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. The mighty weapon of confession. You shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do all that is written in it. The mighty weapon of not only confession, but meditation and then action. If you do these things, he says, no matter what giants you face... These are going to work. You are going to make your way prosperous and have good success. And that brings me to the last observation. In order for you, to, in order for these mighty weapons to work, you've got to be intentional about using them. Notice what God says to Joshua. He says, your mouth, he says, you shall meditate. You shall observe that you will make your way prosperous. You, 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 you. These mighty weapons are not magical. They are mighty. They don't work through indifference. They work through intentionality. You must use them in order to get the benefit of them. Otherwise, your life will remain stuck in the same cycle. Matter of fact, studies reveal... That we are bombarded by about 500 unintentional and intrusive thoughts each day. And that each thought lasts 14 seconds. If you do the math, that is two hours of unwanted missiles being launched your way daily. Most of which are lies and untruths. 
So in order to counteract that, you have to be intentional about reprogramming your mind. Listen to me. Otherwise, your mind will get programmed for you. And this is what happens as people are walking in the world without any weapons at their disposal to counteract the mind program that is going on through all the lies that are being launched at us through all these mechanisms, television and education and news and all of these things and books and stuff. So all that stuff is launching missiles, which is programming your mind. And so if you not, are not intentional about reprogramming your mind, your mind gets programmed for you. How do we do this? Through biblical meditation. What is biblical meditation? Well, first of all, it is not Eastern meditation. Where you empty your mind by focusing on nirvana or crystals or some bull jive like that. That's that's not what biblical meditation is. Biblical meditation is not the emptying of your mind. It is the filling of your mind with the truth of the word of God. So the idea is, um, comes from uh, the, the word ruminate. Meditation literally comes from the word ruminate. And ruminate is what a cow does. Let me explain exactly. So a cow, when it eats, goes over, it grabs some grass, it chews on it a little bit. It swallows it, then throws it back up in its mouth. And, and then it chews on it a little bit more, and then it swallows it, and, and it throws it back up in its mouth. And it, it chews on a little bit more, and swallows it, and throws it back up in its mouth. Can you say breath mint, anyone? <laughs> in any case, this is what the cow does. And the reason why the cow does this over and over and over again is to get maximum nutrition out of the grass. And so when the Bible tells us to meditate on a biblical truth, it is telling us to go and get the biblical truth that we need to counteract the lie that we believe or the mindset that we have and to think on it, to digest it, to bring it back up, to think on it some more, digest it, bring it back up, think on it some more, digest it, and keep doing this until you believe it, until it becomes your new mindset. So we get maximum spiritual nutrition out of the word of God when we don't just look at it once or just don't try to understand it once, but we keep thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking and, think, and rolling it over in our mind and our mind and our mind. It's amazing how we roll over situations that are unhealthy in our mind over and over again. So we can do it with the word of God. But there's another reason why rumination is powerful, and it's because of repetition. Repetition is how the enemy ingrains lies or the strongholds that we adapt as mindsets into our head because he constantly exposes us to the lies over and over and over again. The enemy is not creative. He's repetitious. He doesn't do anything new to anybody. He does the same thing over and over and over and over again. Matter of fact, research says there's one way you can get anybody to believe any lie. Just repeat it over and over again. And so the news media knows this, don't they? So what do they do? They just repeat a lie and 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 repeat a lie. And sooner or later, everybody believes that it is true. For example, and it's by the way, it's called illusory truth effect. They even have a name for it, right? And so what happens? We believe these things in our own, in our own lives. How many have ever heard, you know, you only use 10% of your brain's capacity? It's completely false. That's not true. But we've heard it over and over and over again. How many's heard this? 
the older you get, the better athlete you are, right? Because you say over and over and over again, talking about how good you are, how good you are, how good you are, when you really weren't that good to begin with. But by the time you tell it and tell it and tell it and tell it, all of a sudden, Pastor Brandon thinks he's a better athlete than me. I mean, it's a illusory truth effect. It just happens time and time again. So how do we overcome the truth that is created or the lie that is implanted in our head through repetition? We fight fire with fire, except we use stronger fire. We don't use the lies of the world. We use the truth of the word of God, which sets these triumphant trenches in our mind that allow us to lead victorious lives. Napoleon Hill said this. He said, any idea, plan, or purpose may be placed in the mind by the by repetition of thought. Zig Ziglar said, repetition is the mother of learning and the father of action, which makes it the architect of accomplishment. Chew on that for just a moment. That was a little joke right there. Anyway, when should you meditate? All the time, but the best time to meditate on the word of God is first thing in the morning. Matter of fact, Psalm 63, verse number one, David is speaking. He says, oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. We find in the scripture Jesus getting up a great while before day in order to spend time with the Father. Why is this? Well, first of all, so it becomes a priority. Because how many of you know that if you don't do something that's most important right away, the day can get ahead of you, and before you know it, you don't do it. So it used to be that I'd say, I'll just, I'll just go to work out in the afternoon. And the day gets ahead of me, don't want to work out. Don't do it. So now what I've been doing since the new year, praise the Lord, is getting up early in the morning and getting it out of the way first and at the same time filling my mind and my heart with the word of God, meditating on the word of God. Now, why is this so important? Because what you think on now affects what you think on next. What you think on now affects what you think on next. So if you start off meditating on the word of God, it dictates your thoughts for the rest of the day or positions you to begin to think right because there is a spiritual principle. Whatever you do with the first sets into motion what happens with the rest. So if we honor God with what is first, God blesses the rest. That's not just a tithing principle. That is a time principle. That is a thought principle. That is how we begin our day. So the best time to meditate is in the morning because what we do now affects or what we think on now affects what we think on next. But there is a goal to this rumination or repetition to see it over and over. How do we get to the place where we see God's word over and over and over again in our mind. The goal of repetition is automation. It's automation. When you subject your mind to repetition, remember the grooves get etched deeper and deeper and eventually you wind up basically doing things without thinking. So for example, when you shower, you don't think, well, what part of my body will I wash first? You just wash. And the poor bottoms of the feet, they always get left out. I don't know why that is. Nobody ever washes the bottom of the feet, right? We just trust that the trickle will get that done. Anyway, right? What happens is as 
part of your brain is automatically taking care of washing your body, there's another part of your brain that is thinking about the rest of the day. In other words, showering is automation. You don't think, how am I going to brush my teeth? You don't say, okay, I'll brush the fronts first, and then I'll brush, you know, like this on the bottoms, and then like this, and then I'll get the side. Then I'll move. You don't, you don't do that. You just, you just do it. It's automation because of repetition. So the goal of meditating on the truth of God's word is automation that leads to the creation of the life that God wants you to have. So you start doing godly things without even thinking about it. It becomes second nature to you. I call this the grease lightning rule. You remember grease lightning? It's automatic, systematic, hydromatic. It's grease lightning. See, here's what God is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to use the systematic way that he has created our brain so that the behaviors in our life that are healthy for us become automatic. And the way for us to use the systematic way that God has created our brain so that we behave automatically in line with the word of God is through repeating our meditation on the word of God. So now here, here's the question. So how do you meditate? There are five steps to meditation. Number one, select your scripture. Very simply, find the scripture that has the truth that you need. So if you need healing, Google scriptures on healing. The great thing about Google is you can find any scripture you need. You don't even have to know the Bible. You just Google Bible scriptures on healing. There it comes up, right? So if you need financial provision, you Google scriptures on financial provision. If, if you need forgiveness or you need to forgive somebody, you Google scriptures on forgiveness. If you need to overcome low self-esteem, you Google scriptures on how God sees you or who you are in Christ. You select your scripture and you understand that no matter what scripture you select, all scripture is God breathed. It has God's life in it. It has God's power in it. It has God's resurrection power and demolition ability wired into it. The life of God is in every one of the scriptures. Now, here's the important part. Listen to how your brain is affected by successfully finding a scripture that you're looking for. So the way our brain works is our brain likes success. So when you say to yourself, I don't know something, but I'm going to find it. And then you actually find it. You are achieving success. And I quote, success has powerful effects on the brain. It increases levels of the hormone testosterone in both men and women and ramps up the brain's chemical messenger dopamine's activity. So literally, when you don't know a scripture or don't know a truth and you search it out and find it, your brain goes, dopamine gets released and you go, I like that. And so actually looking for a scripture and finding it makes you like the scripture even more. This is the brilliance of God. First step, select it. Second step, study the scripture. Get a concordance. That's a book that kind of explains the different words in a particular scripture, look up the meaning of each word, read commentaries on the text, ask the Holy Spirit to bring the meaning to life to you and to make it real to you. Now watch this. Look at the effect that studying or learning has on your brain. Don't you notice that, you know, people say, you know, when you get older, you should always remain active, right? Do stuff. Why? Because if you don't keep your brain active, your brain gets dumb. 
Not because it gets done, but it just kind of is not being used. But when you, when you learn things, you're activating your brain. Listen to what happens to your brain when you study. Each and every time we learn something new, our brain forms new connections and neurons and makes existing neural pathways stronger or weaker. So here's what I do. I select my scripture. Dopamine is released because when I find it, I'm like, yeah, look at me. I found a scripture. And you get all dopamine and you're like, I want more scripture. And you look for more. And then you start studying it. And as you study it and you begin to understand what it means, what happens is the neural pathways that need to be built in your brain start getting built. And the ones that contradict the truth that you just learned begin to get decreased in your life. And so the first thing you do in meditation is you select it. The second thing is you study it. The third thing is you script it. Script the scripture or write it down. Matter of fact, God instructs us that this is one of the greatest ways to learn. People ask me all the time, especially those that come to the 11 o'clock service, they said, how come you never look at your notes? Because I write it down and write it down. Then I say it and say it and say it and say it and say it. And after I've written it down and I said it, it's in my brain. And watch what happens when you write. God actually tells us this when you want to learn the scripture, write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Well, how do I get them in my heart? You shall, verse number nine, you shall write them down on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Write them down. Why? Listen to what happens in your brain when you write stuff. If you write something down by hand, I quote, all that complex sensory information increases the chances the knowledge will be stored for later. In short, writing by hand forces your brain to process information in a more detailed way, which helps you successfully load that information into your memory. And so you select the scripture, you study the scripture, then you script the scripture, you write it down. And as you're writing it, you're loading it into your mind. What do you have to do to your mind in order to create new trenches of truth? You've got to load the word of God into your mind. And what that does is that increases your chances of remembering it when you need it. So select it, study it, script it. Number four, say the scripture. Over and over again, Jesus and his word teaches us to speak the truth of scripture. Psalm 107 verse number two, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, let us hold fast to our confession. One version says profession of faith for he is faithful who promised. And the word confession is the Greek word homo logion. Homo means same. Logion means words. You put them together. It means saying the same thing as God. You don't just say anything. You say the same thing as God. And then Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. But watch what happens to your brain. This is all related to the brain. God is God is so masterful. God doesn't give us instructions for no reason, not to rain on our parade, not to make it hard for us. He knows how he wired us. Watch what happens to your brain. When you speak or focus on positive words, for us, that's the word of God, the truth of scripture. You stimulate frontal lobe activity in your brain. This area includes specific language centers that connect directly to the motor cortex responsible for moving you into action. So speaking it helps you to do what the Bible says we must do, which we're going to talk about in just a second, in order to not be deceived into thinking that our lives will change just by the acquisition of knowledge. Speaking it actually gives you the impetus to actually 
do it. And so after you select it, study it, script it, and say it, then number five, start walking it out. Start doing the scripture. What did God tell Joshua? That you may observe to do. Don't fall short of just listening to it and speaking it. Just go ahead, make the next step. Start doing it. James tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Watch this, watch this. Watch what happens when you do something to your brain. And I quote, learning a new skill can be hard at first, right? Kind of feels weird, you know? But the more we do something, the stronger the neural pathways associated with that skill become, became, become, and the task becomes easier. If we practice enough, we may even begin to run on autopilot. Repetition creates automation with our actions becoming automatic and unconscious. So what does the move towards greater automat- auto- automation do or to the brain? One study looked at the brains of a novice, an, e- an, an expert, and an elite archer performing a simple archery task. The novices showed widespread brain activity when performing the task, especially in a number of frontal lobe areas. I know this is heady, but it, it's powerful. Experts, by contrast, showed reduced activities in these areas. As an activity becomes more automated and less controlled, the experts appear to rely on specialized processing in particular areas of the brain. This reduction of general widespread activity in favor of specialized localized processing may be what makes it possible for expert athletes to make quick decisions. Why is Tom Brady better than anybody else? It's not because he's the most gifted athlete. Because he's not. There are people who have stronger arms than him, faster legs than him. But Tom Brady is expert because it's automation. He can figure it out in a half a second. He says, I know where I'm throwing the ball before I release the ball. And that's what makes him better than everybody. Everybody else has got to process And the goal of meditation is what? Is to get you automatically doing what God wants you to do instinctively because that's how you become an expert in experiencing the life that God wants you to have. That's how you go from vomit to victory in your life. You've got to renew your mind. And this is why God tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And as much as God says that, we still think success is a function of me just being a child of God. It is not. It is a function of you being an obedient child of God and using the mighty weapons that God has given you in order to create pathways of victory in your life and in your head. So what do you do? You select it. You study it, you script it, you say it, and you start doing it. And when you select it, study it, script it, say it, and start doing it, guess what? You will see it come to pass in your life. You will begin to see it affect your real life experience. I want to close with a little illustration or a biblical illustration. The story of the woman with the issue of blood. She's struggling with the same unhealthy cycle for 12 years. She has tried everything, every doctor, but was stuck in the same cycle of defeat. 
If you read the story, she not only suffered physically, but emotionally. The things that she believed in her mindsets had trapped her. She had become paralyzed, not just physically, but also emotionally. But when she heard of Jesus, Matthew 9, 9 verse 20 says, And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Pretty odd, isn't it? I mean, like, if I'm going to touch Jesus, the last thing I'm going to touch is the hem of his garment. Why did she choose this action? Well, because, number one, she apparently selected a scripture. She apparently selected the scripture, Malachi chapter 4, verse number 2, but unto those who fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. So she selected that scripture, but then she must have studied that scripture, number two, because she understood that wings were the hem of Jesus' garment. She didn't get confused like most Christians thinking that God had chicken wings. She understood what the hem was, so she studied it. Third, not only did she study it, but she scripted it or wrote it down. Now, we don't know this. None of the translations say she wrote it down. But if she was really a good Jewish girl, a good Hebrew girl, she would have been familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 6, where they taught, write down the scripture all around you so you can learn it. But fourth... Not only did she select it, not only did she study it, not only did she script it, but then she said it. If you read the story, it says she said over and over and over again, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. And because she selected it, studied it, scripted it, and said it, what did she do? She started doing it because she came behind him no matter how difficult it was to get to him. She came behind him and she touched them. She did what she had said because she had scripted it, because she had studied it, because she had selected it. She was now empowered to move into action despite how strong the cycles of defeat were in her life. And because she did all of those things, again, select it, study it, script it, say it, start doing it. She saw her life and her cycle break. Look at what Matthew chapter 9 verse 22 says. But Jesus turned around. And when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And that woman who was stuck in a 12-year cycle was made whole from that very hour. What happened? The mighty renewing weapons worked to overcome the years of lies that were launched at her because she was stuck in a cycle of defeat. God's power got released in the mighty weapons that God has given us to use. They changed what seemed to be unchangeable they freed her no matter how long she was bound his weapons will work when willpower fails his weapons will work when nothing else does his weapons are mighty they demolish strongholds they have wrecking ball power they have resurrection power they have the life of God power you gotta use the weapons and when you use those weapons your mind will eventually be set free. And that's what God wants to do. That's what Jesus came to do. 
Jesus came to set us free in every way. Salvation comes from the Greek word sozo. And it means not just set free from sin. It means set free physically. It means set free emotionally. It means set free. Find any, any way you need to be set free. Jesus came to set us free. And as Christians, we get caught up right here. And so I want to pray for two people before we end this little teaching here today. I want to pray for two groups of people. Number one, those that are bound in their mind. Those that are keep struggling with the same cycles, the same unproductive behaviors. And by the way, behaviors get triggered, right? There's something called the, the behavioral chain. And I'll talk about this in future weeks. The behavioral chain goes like this. There's a trigger, then there's a thought, then there's an action, then there's a consequence. And so what happens in life is we have to learn when we are triggered to have the right kind of thought. And I'm going to teach you how to change your negative triggers into positive triggers so that when something triggers you, instead of having the thought that causes bad action, the thought winds up causing godly action, and it's through the mighty reframing weapons that God has given us. But God's come to set us free. So I want to pray for those people who are bound in their mind right now. And if that's you, right where you are, I just want you to just reach out to God in your heart, and I'm going to pray a prayer over you. If you're at one of our locations, this is for you. If you're watching in our online community, this is for you. On television, this is for you. Matter of fact, go ahead and just as a sign of faith, if you're struggling mentally, if you feel like you got some mental strongholds, just reach out your hand right now. We're going to pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we come to you. And Lord, I know that the responsibility is ours to use these weapons. But Lord, you love us so much that you participate in making sure that we get to a place where we are challenged to put these things in the past. Father, that you help us when we can't even help ourselves to take those initial steps. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I'm speaking for those that are bound in their minds, that right now this word that you've sent, sent to them would give them hope and set them free. Father, they would push to a place of action. And Father, I declare over their lives that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that every mental stronghold is broken in the mighty name of Jesus, that the enemy has no power over their lives. In Jesus' name. I just feel in my heart right now, somebody somewhere is watching, abused, sexually abused. I can't tell you how much God loves you. I can't tell you how much God feels your pain. And I can't tell you how much God wants to set you free from those strongholds. Many of the things that you see happening in your life are not the result of straight up choices that you're making. They're the result of what's been happening in your head because of what's happened to you. And that's where the mighty power of God comes in to set you free. And right now, if God is talking to you, I pray right now that Wherever you are, you experience a wave right now of assurance, of the love of God, of new hope in your life, of understanding that you're not helpless, that you're not a victim, that you don't have to live in the repetitive cycles of vomit, but that you can experience victory. I pray that for you. The second group of people that I want to pray for is I want to pray for people who don't know Jesus. The greatest way that God can set us free is to set us free from our sin. 
Because our sin sentences us to an eternity without God where there really is no hope. The good thing about living is there's always hope while you're alive. But once you pass over to the other side, your eternal fate is sealed. And so you got to choose now. you got to choose now. Are you going to put your faith in Jesus and receive the help of the Holy Spirit here on this earth and the promise of eternal life and the life to come? Or are you going to reject him and then have to battle through this life and live an eternal life without him? If right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you too reach out your hands. I want to pray with you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that as these people reach out their hands, that you, the Lord of glory, would grab the other end. Father, that you would reach out with your arm that is not too short to save your mighty arm that can save us from any and all situations. And Father, in Jesus' name right now, I pray that you'd save these people's soul. If God is talking to you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, go ahead and say it, come on. Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. I repent of my sins and I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I will never be the same in Jesus' name mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. It's been so good to teach the Word of God today. I was so excited about this this message. I know some of you will be watching at home, and you don't normally do that because of the weather, and I want to really encourage all of you to come on out to God's house. If you're seeing this before Sunday, come on out on Sunday to the house of God, but if you're seeing this and you're snowed in, come on out to the house of God next week. We'd love to see you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.